Well, last week we finished up chapter 18 of the Gospel of John, so today we will be studying John chapter 19. But as we often do, I'd like to go back and review a little bit of what we studied in chapter 18. So go ahead and open up your Bibles there. We're just going to start reading in John chapter 18, verse 31, and then we're going to read our way right on into chapter 19. But when we left off last week, we saw that Jesus was questioned by Pilate because the Jews brought Jesus to Pilate, wanting Pilate to put him to death. But of course, Pilate could find no fault with Jesus, so he really didn't want to order the death of Jesus. And now, picking it up in verse 31 of John chapter 18, it says, Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And now, picking up our study for today, verse 1 of chapter 19 says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Now, Pilate had already declared Jesus as being guiltless. So if he's taken Jesus now and scourging him, we're seeing yet another act of injustice being carried out upon Jesus. Now, it's recorded in history that the Romans would scourge someone, or another word you could use for the word scourge is to just beat someone, in order to They were trying to make one of a few things happen. For one, they would scourge a prisoner as a form of punishment. Secondly, they would use scourging in an attempt to get a confession out of someone. And the third reason that they would scourge someone was to weaken weaken them, excuse me, before crucifying them. In this, they thought, that the person would die quicker upon the cross. Now, we know that Jesus did not do anything at all that made him worthy of punishment. And not only that, Jesus had absolutely nothing to confess 
So he ended up taking an overly abundant amount of abuse during this scourging because they were beating him until he confessed and he had nothing to confess. He was totally guiltless. If he would have confessed wrongdoing, then they possibly would have stopped beating him or at least maybe lightened up the blows. But it was impossible for him to truthfully confess any wrongdoing. And when we talk about Jesus being scourged here, what they actually did to Jesus was they took a whip that had leather strips on the end of it. And on each one of those leather um, strips, there was a lead ball and sharp spikes, most often that was made out of sheep bones. Okay, Then the Romans would tie a person to a pole while they were standing up and use this whip on their back. So Jesus here is taking many blows to his back. The lacerations that Jesus received went deep and would have most likely torn through the skin and into his muscle. In most cases, people went into shock during this kind of beating. And why is it necessary for me to give you all of these gory details? Because he went through all of this for you and me. And we must understand the depths of his love for us. You know, turning your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, you will find Isaiah right between the Song of Solomon and Jeremiah. And go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Okay. Now this is a, a prophetic chapter about Jesus Christ. It was written about 700 years before Jesus was born. So, Isaiah chapter 53, hopefully you've got your Bibles open there, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, just when you read that, that kind of shoots down those beautiful pictures we see of Jesus with the wavy hair and the piercing blue eyes. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Now, Isaiah obviously wasn't there at the time of the death of Jesus Christ. But he says that we did this. So he is speaking about all of mankind here. He goes on to say in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So that's why Jesus went through what he went through. 
He was wounded and bruised for the wrong things that we all have done. He was chastised in order that you and me could have peace with God. We have been healed by the stripes that Jesus took on his back. We have been set free from the curse of sin and death. The curse of sin and death is eternal separation from God, but now we can have peace with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to have peace with God and no other way to an, to an eternity with God other than through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. None of us are righteous. None of us are worthy of salvation. And verse 6 here says, All we like sheep have gone away. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You see, that verse right there needs to cut deep within your soul, and you must understand this fact. We have all gone astray. No one is worthy of salvation. Not one person ever born is worthy of salvation by their birth, and nor can they earn salvation in their lifetime. We all have turned to our own way, as it says there in verse 6. This means that we all have thought that we can do it on our own, but we cannot. And the debt we owed for our sin was laid upon Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You see, Jesus never griped or complained about what he went through on this earth. He never cried out for his own justice. No one ever saw Jesus on the street corner chanting, no justice, no peace. This was not his way. He was willing to take the pain and suffering of this life for you and me, though he himself was not worthy of any of it. Isaiah 53 here is a very powerful prophecy of the death of Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to study this chapter further on your own time. But for now, let's turn back to John chapter 9. Excuse me, John chapter 19. So there in verse 1 of John chapter 19, uh, it says that, that Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And then in verse 2, it says, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Now, what is it that they're doing here to Jesus? They're mocking him. That's what they're doing. They don't like the Jews and they want to make the king of the Jews a laughingstock. So they're having fun with, with the beating, um, by beating Jesus and bruising him and bloodying him up. He's the savior of the world and they're doing all of this to him. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. And as I said last week, he's, this is the creator allowing the creation 
to humiliate him. Think about that. The creator is allowing his creation to humiliate him. Remember, he's doing this for you and me. And this is God that is doing this. Look at verse 3. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know I find no fault in him. So Pilate reiterates that Jesus has done nothing wrong, but still under his watch, he allowed a despicable injustice to take place here. He knew what his soldiers were doing to Jesus, and he did not raise one finger to stop it. Verse 5, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to him, behold the man. You know, it's amazing that Pilate here presents Jesus to the crowd as a physically weakened, battered, and bruised man. But for the rest of eternity, thousands upon thousands of people will highly esteem Jesus for these very things that he is mocked for here. Today, on a daily basis, I thank Jesus for his shed blood. I thank him that he took the shame and the punishment that my sin deserved. So Pilate had no idea just how much humanity would go on by faith to behold or to look upon this man, Jesus. And the day will come when every tongue will again profess that he is God. The day will come when every eye will look upon him and worship him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords that he truly is. He won't be wearing a crown of thorns at that time. And he won't be covered in blood wearing a mock purple robe. You see, this was a horrible day for Jesus. But there is a different day coming. Let's turn to Psalm 96. The book of Psalms is around the middle of your Bible, right between Job and Proverbs. So go ahead and turn there, Psalm 96. And you know, it's a short chapter, Psalm 96, so I'm going to go ahead and, and read it in its entirety. Okay, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. 
Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. And let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful in all that is in it. Then all the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For He is coming. For He is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with His truth. So you see, this gives us a completely different view of Jesus than the view that Pilate and the uh, the Jews had back in John chapter 19 of the Gospel of John, right? He's coming again, and every eye will behold him, even those who crucified him. And it's going to be uh-oh time, <laughs> because when he comes again, it won't be the grace that is offered to all mankind now. It's going to be judgment time. And that is why, as it said back there in verse 2 of Psalm 96, believers in Jesus need to be proclaiming the good news of His salvation from day to day. If you've not already done so, go ahead and turn back to John chapter 19. So Pilate has brought Jesus out before the crowd. And then in verse 6, it says, Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Wow! How many times has Pilate said this? He finds no fault fault in Jesus, and yet he tells the Jews to crucify him themselves. You know, to this day, there has never been anyone, believer or non-believer, professor, historian, scientist, no one has ever found any fault in the life of Jesus Christ. Now, people still mock him today. People still use his name in vain, but he was and is pure and innocent. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Let me just stop right there and say, no, he didn't. God made him the son of God. Jesus just simply proclaimed the truth about who he was. Verse 8, Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Now, speak of an uh-oh moment. There's a uh-oh moment for, for Pilate right there. Maybe he doesn't realize who he's dealing with here. And the fact here that this verse states that Pilate was the more afraid, what does that indicate? He was already afraid. He was already scared for what he was doing. And now he's the more afraid when he hears this. And verse 9 goes on. 
Um, let me just go back to verse 8. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. You see, Pilate thought he was in a position of power here. But he was just somebody that was just there at the time. God was in control of everything that was taking place. And when Jesus says to Pilate here in verse 11, that the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin, This means to me that the Jews were already aware of his teachings and they had seen his miracles and they should have recognized that he was the Messiah as the Old Testament foretold. But they didn't. They still brought him before Pilate. Pilate didn't know all this. He he didn't know the Old Testament. They should have known. But now Pilate is here and he's scared to death. He's scared about what he's dealing with right now. And then in verse 19, excuse me, verse 12, from then on Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. So these Jewish political And religious leaders are pulling out all stops here. They are not going to let Pilate off the hook. But you know what? When it comes to a decision about Jesus, no one gets off the hook. Like Pilate, a person can analyze and scrutinize Jesus all they want, but they must make a decision about who Jesus is. And the decision they make will determine, excuse me, will determine where they spend eternity. You see, Pilate wants to be pleasing to the people, but he also seems like he wants to release Jesus here. And here again, it just can't be this way. A choice must be made. Do you follow the crowd? And be a people pleaser? Or do you take a stand for Jesus? See, it applies to you and me today as well. But after the Jews said to Pilate, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Verse 13 then says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out. And sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. So Pilate has made a decision here to go and sit in the judgment seat and render a verdict against Jesus. You see, uh, let's, let's go on, verse 14. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. I really believe that Pilate said this in a pleading kind of way. 
It seems as if when we look at the context of this chapter, that Pilate might be saying here, come on, this is your king. But verse 15 says, but they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. You know, hundreds of years prior to this, the Israelites, the children of Israel, didn't want to be under the rule of the Father God anymore. And they begged their prophet Samuel to find a king to rule over them. And Samuel found Saul. And Saul became their king. So Israel rejected the father as their ruler, and now they are rejecting the Son of God as their king. Verse 16. Then he delivered him to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Now, you can say here that Pilate gave it the good old college try. He tried to convince them not to crucify Jesus, right? But you know, Pilate convicted himself as guilty and responsible for the death of Jesus back in verse 10, when he said, Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? You see, Pilate's own words did him in right there. But like many other people that have walked on the face of this earth, Pilate lacked the courage of conviction. He could have just done what was right here. Instead, he compromised with wrong and disobeyed his conscience because He didn't want to lose his political position. You know, the world is full of compromise, but there is only one decision that we will be held accountable for. One decision that will determine our eternity. The decisions we make in this life, such as where we live, what we drive, where our kids will receive their education, All these kind of decisions have impact, but they're only an earthly impact. But each one of us has been given a power to decide what to do with Jesus. Do we reject him as the king of our lives and consider him as dead to us? Or do we receive him? as the king of our lives, and surrender to his lordship and bow down to him. That decision will determine our eternal destiny. And each person ever born has this power of choice within them. That's the question we all must answer. What will you do with Jesus? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe on him? 
Have you come to that place within your own heart? Have you made that decision that Jesus is Lord? And have you surrendered to Him? You can do so today. Right? Wherever you are listening to this, you can do so. You can surrender your heart to Him. You see the truth here in this Word. We've been studying through the the Gospel of John for, for many weeks now here. You can see it. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Like he said here, this reason he came into the world, that's the reason he came. He's the King. He wants to be the King of your heart. Surrender your life to Jesus today. God bless. Thanks for listening.